While artificial intelligence is used in a multitude of ways in society, there are growing concerns about the use of generative AI during this election season. So what are some of the concerns? I'm Veronica Dudo. Let's find out. This is In America Today from the Ticker News Studios in New York City. Hello and welcome. Coming up, a Pentagon spokesperson says U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has been hospitalized in Washington yet again. But first... The White House says it wants to verify videos of Joe Biden so viewers won't mistake them for artificial intelligence deepfakes. This is in the wake of a recent report from the Department of Justice that called into question President Biden's mental fitness. So far this year, the president has already been at the center of multiple AI deepfakes. For more, let's bring in Oz Sultan, the chief strategist with the Sultan Interactive Group. Hi, Oz. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So what are some of the main concerns from the White House? So I think it's threefold. Uh, Number one is the portrayal of Biden, uh, which we've seen is not necessarily being the best in media more recently. Uh, Number two is that as we're approaching the the hotbed of the presidential cycle, uh, which is the DNC and the RNC uh, conventions, which are slated for this summer, um, as well as Super Tuesday that's coming up, uh, they definitely don't want uh, fake videos coming out that are presenting Biden in one way or another way. Um, and then the third, I think, is after we saw what happened in New Hampshire with the deep faked audio uh, phone calls, the robocalls that had come out, you have, um, you know, risks now of audio fakes uh, combined with the video fakes. Now, what's interesting is, is that legislation is quickly passed uh, that is outlawing um, AI robocalls. Uh, but in terms of how this is going to cascade into video and generated video, um, it's yes to be seen. So as you mentioned, big tech players such as Meta, Google, Microsoft, and a range of startups, they've raised to release consumer-friendly AI tools. So we're now all living in that age. And this has led to a new wave of deep fakes. And as you alluded to just last month, an AI-generated robocall attempted to undermine voting efforts related to the 2024 presidential election by using Biden's voice. So is this just the new norm? I think this is going to become the new norm. I think you're going to see, you know, far more onerous examples that uh, play out in other elections around the world, um, specifically where there's far fewer restrictions on, you know, how to use all of this content. Uh, I think the challenge that we're going to be faced with for the remainder of the year is largely going to boil down to three things. One, who has the best technology to get to voters? Two, um, who is actually believing what comes out in deepfake content or content? Um, and there's definitely going to be a, a propensity of that. And three, um, you know, which no one has really been talking about is where do the bots figure into this because they, we had bot attacks in 16, we had bot attacks in 20, and now you have all of this uh, ostensibly fake content that could be out there. So we're not sure if the White House is talking about a watermark, if they're talking about uh, some sort of proof. I think it, it's a good step in terms of setting standards specifically for political candidates. Um, but the reality of how they want to do this is still pretty nebulous, and it's, it's yet to be seen.
but you know, as we've seen, this is a moving target. It's moving much faster than other issues. Um, it is more than likely we'll see some statement from the White House on how they want to verify these things in the next couple of weeks. So as you mentioned, people in the White House have been looking into AI and generative AI since Biden became president in 2020. But in the last year of the use of generative AI, it's really exploded with the release of OpenAI's ChatGPT. So this will also be the first presidential election where the new technology will be widely used and also uh, used and utilized by consumers. So what are just some of the dangers that you are anticipating? So, you know, last year on, on Twitch, there was a, a live streamed AI debate between a synthetic Biden and a synthetic Trump. Um, and it was based upon the large language reading of a bunch of their speeches and statements previously. And that was kind of funny. Um, but now that you have these things popping into the ether on a regular basis, I think there's there's two major and, and one minor sort of concerns. One is that, you know, the the candidate in question, and, and largely it's going to be Biden or Trump, is taking a political position that people didn't think they had. Two is misinformation, um, which can largely come from having an AI-generated uh, political figure and them saying whatever you want them to say. Um, but then the the third is what we saw happen in New Hampshire, which is that we have voter malfeasance or really just uh, interference inside of election processes that we don't want. Um, and I think given the fact that we've seen, you know, technology used already in New Hampshire and the New Hampshire AG involved, it is more than likely that that's going to continue. And I think what's interesting about this year is that it's not just going to be video, it's going to be audio, it could be robocalls, um, it could even be, you know, faked texts with faked images. Um, and all of that is fair game inside of a world where, you know, AI is becoming more of the norm. How can voters find a trusted source of information in the world of AI? I think what it's going to come down to is what it was from 2007 to 2011 in social media. It's DYOR, do your own research. And in many cases, you'll see something come out. If you're following X, which used to be Twitter, I think it's pretty easy for you to figure out what's fake, what's real after you know about an hour or two. But if you're a consumer of traditional media, um, specifically the the big channels that are out there, uh, you may or may not know, you know, whether something's real for a day or two. And the, the bigger channel challenges rather that the channels are going to have is authenticating information in a timely fashion before they report it. It is more than likely that we're going to see, you know, the the big three in America and a few others misreport things simply because they're running to get this information out. Um, and so for the average consumer, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, double check. And and if it's something that's coming from the White House, you can easily check, uh, you know, whitehouse.gov and see what the, the announcements have been. And that's a good way to, to really catch these things. But it is a brave new world. And, you know, everyone is going to have that incumbency upon them to actually go out and verify things before they're sharing things. Again, it's very much like 2009 all over again. Absolutely. Uh, Sultan with the Sultan Interactive Group, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. 
Israeli forces said they have discovered tunnels that run partly under the main United Nations agency in Gaza. The IDF calls it new evidence of Hamas's exploitation of the relief group that aids Palestinians. Israeli forces have discovered a network of tunnels that run partly under the main UN agency in Gaza, calling it new evidence of Hamas exploitation of what is known as UNRWA, the UN relief group that aids Palestinians. Israeli army engineers took reporters from foreign news outlets through the passages during what is a time of crisis for UNRWA. UN staff were among the perpetrators of the October 7 massacre. Israel last month alleged that some of the agency's staff doubled as Hamas operatives, which led several donor countries to freeze their funding to the agency. UNRWA has launched an internal investigation into Israel's claims. The tunnels under the agency's headquarters in Gaza City also revealed side rooms, including an office space with steel safes that had been opened and emptied. One large chamber was packed with computer servers, another with industrial battery stacks. Leading the tour was an Israeli lieutenant colonel who gave only his first name, Ido. This is uh, one of the, the, the central commands of the intelligence. These, this place is the, the Hama, one of the Hamas's intelligence units where they command most of the combat from here, but from the underground. Ido said Hamas appeared to have evacuated in the face of the Israeli advance, preemptively cutting off communications cables that, in an above-ground part of the tour, he showed running through the floor of the UNRWA basement. The Palestinians have accused Israel of falsifying information to tarnish UNRWA, which employs 13,000 people in the Gaza Strip and for years has been a lifeline for the population, running schools, health care clinics and other social services. In a statement, UNRWA said it had vacated the headquarters on October 12th, five days after the war began, and was therefore, quote, unable to confirm or otherwise comment on the Israeli finding. Hamas has denied operating in civilian facilities. As a condition of taking journalists on the trip, the Israeli military requested approval of photos and video before they were transmitted. U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has been hospitalized in Washington yet again. A Pentagon spokesperson said he is receiving treatment for symptoms suggesting a bladder issue. U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin was hospitalized in Washington on Sunday. A Pentagon spokesperson said the 70-year-old was being treated for, quote, symptoms suggesting an emergent bladder issue and that he had transferred the duties of his office to a deputy. Both Republican and Democratic lawmakers criticized Austin last month for failing to disclose a cancer diagnosis and subsequent hospitalizations in December and January. Some prominent Republicans, including former President Donald Trump, called for him to be removed from his job. Austin apologized for the non-disclosure and is scheduled to testify before Congress later this month about the situation, which was an embarrassment for Democratic President Joe Biden. With its announcement of the secretary's hospitalization and the quick transfer of his duties, the Pentagon appeared determined to avoid a repeat of last month's political uproar. Austin is scheduled to travel to Brussels for a Wednesday meeting of the Ukraine Defense Contact Group. It was not clear if his hospitalization would affect those travel plans. 
Thanks so much for watching In America Today. I'm Veronica Dudo. For more, head to tickernews.co. Stay with us. More ticker coming up.